Hello and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. I am Mayor Watt and tonight's episode is Season 2, Episode 70, SVB Implodes and More News. The um, rundown for today is uh, 10 articles. We've already selected them and uh, we're going to start out with talking about Silicon Valley Bank and its collapse and everybody pointing fingers and of course crypto and other things are involved in this. Meta is considering a new style of social network because decentralization apparently has been gaining steam. GM is uh, teaming up with Microsoft to create a chat GPT-like virtual assistant for cars. More accidents than ever because of Clippy. A 38-year-old that's made over $500,000 selling wraps via Fiverr. Another article about Silicon Valley uh, Bank because the chief years ago uh, worked with Congress to weaken risk regulations and look where it got us. A New York City worker saw their company was hiring them, but for up to $90,000 more. A popular kids toy store called Camp is stuck in the middle of SVB's uh, collapse. Canadian police are investigating what's referred to as Chinese police stations in Quebec. A New Hampshire lawmaker is tilting at snowplows. And uh, Hidden Valley Ranch ice cream is real and it's coming to select Walmarts nationwide. Let's get into today's articles. Hello, hello. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And the visualizer up there is the representation of the AI from on high. You want to introduce yourself or well, at least say hello. Good evening, hometown citizens. Hey, and look at that. It's working. So we've already selected 10 articles, right? We always lay them out. We haven't really done any uh, uh, reading of the actual articles, but we already have some experience with all of this stuff via the news as we consume just a bunch of uh, sources. And we're going to be adding some more here as time permits. Uh, but tonight is the streamer awards. So I don't, I don't know if anybody's really going to be in this stream at all. I mean, everybody in they can catch up on the podcast or on YouTube. Oh, yeah, that's right. Look at that. There's all of these other places where you can get the, And that's not actually true. I mean, there's people that are streaming all over Twitch right now. So um, if you are hanging out in, in uh, chat, then thank you very much. And if you are lurking or if you have questions or anything, really, you can get in touch with us. You can just send an email to mayor at hometown.com and I will receive it. Um, you can also go over to hometown.showbot.tv where you can vote on tonight's articles and we'll keep that in mind as we parse the news throughout the coming days. We do uh, this show every day at 9 p.m. Eastern. Let's get into the articles. Let's go. So the very first article for tonight is in the Daily News Show. Silicon Valley Bank collapse sets off blame game between crypto and tech. Hey, you know who brought tech into this discussion? Do you do you know anybody that might have brought the 
The concept you mean of you? oh me me me, you mean the mayor of hometown actually said, hey, you know what? I bet you this has to do with crypto and over leveraging and. Yes, you did put, when we first reported SVB, put, put, which pushing was yesterday. The, I think. Pushing the limit of risk, huh? Really? Wow, it's almost prescient, right? Hmm. Anyway. The implosion of the Silicon Valley Bank led to finger pointing as executives and investors jumped on the crisis for their own messaging. One of the bigger problems that came out is as we were closing down yesterday's show, refreshing the page, the front page of hometown, um, we see an article about how people stormed basically the front door of uh, New York Silicon Valley Bank. Um, okay, folks. They're just regular Joes working the nine to five. So don't lash out at the individuals, but I can see that people are really frustrated because of the knock on effect of these high risk gambles that people in the executive suite and in the board, the board is involved in this too. The bank shouldn't be doing anything without at least the board and the executive suite knowing what's going on. And that's where it all stems from. It's a top down, not bottom up kind of a situation here. So all of this risk has led to this. Um, the article is over at NewYorkTimes.com. Silicon Valley Bank collapse sets off blame game in tech industry. The implosion of the Silicon Valley Bank led to finger pointing as everybody is saying, it's you, it's you, it's them, it's over there, it's not us. It's not us. How do you, what do you mean it's not us? It's, of course it's you. Don't be that risky with other people's money. That's what it amounts to. Okay, so did you notice that they have their own section for this? This is such big news that it looks like they have five articles alone on New York Times com today <laughs> <laughs> on this topic. Yeah, so it says what we know, the bank's rapid fall, the blame game, the startup fallout, and how uh, the failure compares. We're right in the middle of this. This is in the blame game. Um, there are other articles um, over here. So if you follow the link through hometown and guess what I didn't do yet. It's over in the in hometown.showbot.tv, but I always throw them into the chat as well. So you can follow the link. It'll be in the show notes. And of course, you can follow that link from wherever you happen to be getting this. Um, either over on YouTube or here in the VOD on Twitch or the podcast, of course. But um, David Yaffe Bellany, I think is their name, Aaron Griffith and Mike Isaac are the authors of this article over at New York Times. I won't get into the, the minutia of the article. Um, you can do that, but, um, what ended up happening with this is it says centralized banking was to blame. The crypto advocate said their vision of the uh, alternate financial system unmoored from bank, uh, big banks and other gatekeepers was better. They argue that the government regulators that recently cracked down on crypto firms had sown the seeds of the bank's implosion. Quote, fiat is fragile. Uh, other things is we're seeing glitches in the machine. This is an opportunity to take a breath and consider the practicalities of decentralization. But really, Everything that I ever saw in this was nothing more than more and more uh, 
traditional banking systems over leveraging into crypto because they saw massive returns. And that was because it was the new new and nobody hold on. Yeah, I'm eight minutes into it. Nobody bitched about massive profits. But the but as soon as the fit hits the shan, that's what that's when people start finger pointing and blaming other people. Um, and I just read an article um, uh, that Elon Musk said that he was willing to buy the remains of Silicon Valley Bank. Um, and again, the only reason why you would buy Silicon Valley Bank right now is because it is about to flame out entirely and you can resurrect it, inject some more money into it, point at its history of flying high and say, we can do this again if only... We just get more money injected into our bank and then we can exploit that extra cash to make, you know, 12, 15, 20% on average multiples. If you're connected well enough, what is Silicon Valley bank really well known for? You I've never really heard of it before this round of articles and that other article is in hometown as well today, if you're looking for that. But the other thing that's interesting is this bank was looking for buyers in advance of the collapse. Nobody saw anything about Elon Musk trying to buy it at that time. Yeah, because it wasn't it wasn't weak enough to to purchase at a low ball price. So it says here in FT uh, in November FTX, the crypto exchange run by Sam Bankman Fried went out of business after the crypto equivalent of a bank uh, run uh, exposed. In, uh, what happened with this Silicon Valley bank is a run on its capital but it was overextended. So when startups were doing transfers, that run exposed a hole in Silicon Valley Bank and thus led to its in-progress collapse. It could recover if people inject enough money into it, but uh, methinks the weakness is too big and um, it's not going to recover nicely. Um, and with it, it is going to take, and my question was, what is Silicon Valley Bank really well known for in the industry, in the startup world? They have a massive number of accounts, hundreds of billions of dollars. And so all of these startups, thousands of them are feeling the pinch and they're not going to be able to pay their employees. They're not going to be able to pull their money out of it because you only have a certain amount of money that's FDIC insured. Not every account is FDIC insured. This is a nightmare for many people. And while the billionaires and multimillionaires of this are going to be able to walk away relatively scot-free, okay, rather reputation will get hit, but people have a short-term memory when a shit ton of money is involved you're going to see these same people back in that industry after this collapses, but the people that are going to be impacted by it are the regular Joes who get paid a paycheck and don't make money on their money. And a lot of sociopaths are going to sit there and say, well, they should have been preparing. Well, I hate to break it to you. Not everybody has the ability 
to prepare because they're too busy putting out their day-to-day fires, living their life. Um, so, and not being born with a silver spoon in their mouth or having an opportunity to even save because of day-to-day existence. So these people, the ones that have made all this risk are going to walk away without really anything hurting them. But you'll see as we go through today, um, that there are people that are really being impacted. So did you want to add anything or do you want to move on to the next article? No, we can move on. We'll have other SVB coverage, I think, in tonight's show. We will. Um, So this next article is about Meta uh, considers a new social network as decentralized model gains steam. This is uh, in the face of, well, Twitter. (laughs) Uh, The parent of Facebook adds to growing momentum for platforms that let users control moderation policies. in the original iteration of uh, Ometown, that was the objective. I wanted people to be in charge of their own um, communities. Um, and I saw uh, there's some wins and losses in that ideology. I think Meta will probably find out the same thing. Um, where there's so much noise in the system that you can't really get a good understanding of what's going on without filtering because the the information overload is very significant in today's age and trying to filter out the the wheat from the chaff is a a major problem in society today. So that's why I put together the show and hometown here on Twitch and by proxy over to YouTube and the podcast. Um, I hope to have channels that are focused on these various uh, articles and, and topics. Well, Naomi Nix is the author of this article over at the Washington Um, I've always dug their tagline, which is democracy dies in darkness because it matches my own statement of abuse happens in the dark. Um, and we'll find out about that little statement, that little tease about another article later on in today's show where someone figured out that they're being underpaid due to transparency rules kicking in. So Facebook's parent Meta, and you might as well just call Meta Facebook because they're pretty much one and the same, um, is considering building a new decentralized social media network, joining a movement of other tech companies hoping to lure users away from embattled Twitter with alternative internet platforms. Um, This is like alternative news, but it's alternative internet platforms. What this really amounts to is they're never going to pull away any of their user base from Facebook. It's more likely that whatever social internet platform they spin up is going to be so intimately tied to the infrastructure of Facebook that you could virtually just say it's inseparable. Um, it says me- well, Meta is... Well, the thing. I thought it was going to be part of Facebook, not a new network. Yeah, uh, it would just call it, I don't know what, Facebook 2 or another Facebook or whatever. More Facebook. <laughs> more Facebook, yeah. Morefacebook.com. If that's out there, I'm really sorry to anybody that actually goes there and find out that it's like an OnlyFans account or something. I don't know. 
Anyway, it says it's smart, aggressive move by Meta uh, Chief Executive Mark Zuckerberg to try to disrupt the Twitter ecosystem, said Dan Ives, a financial analyst with Wedbush Securities. I think there's an opportunity to gain share as users look for alternatives outside of Twitter. And it says, in many ways, Zuckerberg is following a path paved by others. He's always followed a path paved by others. He's just like Elon Musk. Name another company that they started up from scratch and didn't heavily lean on engineers already doing it, right? You can't because all of it has always been built by engineers and then just funded by people that have money. And I've already spoken out against this. I don't want to live in a world where the only ideas that actually reach fruition and actually become something are born from the fever dreams of billionaires who are detached from reality and making billions on it, you know? So it says Blue Sky, a decentralized social media uh, company founded by former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, recently launched in Apple's App Store, though the platform is only accessible to invited users for now. Um, as part of the project, Blue Sky is building AT Protocol, a decentralized uh, social media network that would allow individuals, businesses, and organizations to host their own sites that will be able to communicate with one another. You know what that sounds like to me? Facebook pages. And the internet, when not attached to an actual, when it's in a decentralized system. Yeah, that's true. Pretty, pretty shocking. It's almost like the internet, huh? Uh, I don't know if this is the same Jeff Jarvis. Yeah, it is. Okay. So Jeff Jarvis, um, a professor at City University of New York, said decentralized social media networks not only let users broadcast their views directly to a large audience, but also give them the ability to control their own experience of consuming content online. Hate to break it to you, but somebody has to provide that vehicle. And if everybody has that, large audience does not exist. So um, try to get discovered in a decentralized network and um, few will just like anybody else, just like here on Twitch, just like over on YouTube, just like everywhere, a large audience is built. It, it, it isn't just directly to a large audience. You're not going to be discovered easily. Um, well, and they may already have a large audience on another platform and they're like, hey, check out my new channel on whatever. Correct. And that's exactly what will happen. Just like when somebody moves from one thing to another, from uh, Mixer, or I should say from Twitch to Mixer, and then back over to YouTube, then get an, a lucrative offer from Facebook to stream on Facebook. And then when that deal either shits the bed or whatever, then you're back on Twitch. Um, the reality is that a large audience is slowly developed. And sometimes people, you know, go critical and suddenly everybody is discovered that person is discovered who whatever they go viral is the phrase but anyway it says um jeff jarvis says again it, it allows for more people to far more people to speak and to be heard 
than was ever enabled by mass media. And that's a wonderful thing. And no, uh, zeroing the cost is what makes the ability to get online and your voice being heard, zeroing the friction to facilitate that message and in, and everybody being able to say something into, uh, I guess the void of the internet and see if anybody responds, but that's not really what happens on every single platform. There's some people where their message is amplified to a different level than other people. Um, so I think that there's a lot of marketing, uh, involved in this, uh, or I should say messaging in the, the kind of in the marketing parlance, they, they're saying these things like everybody is equal, right? But no, that's not really how it is. Um, but we can get into that as time goes on. Um, there, this will be an ongoing story as people seek to move away from Twitter, but still having have an audience. On Twitter, there's a chance to make money. On Twitch, there's a chance to make money. On YouTube, on Facebook, everywhere, on a centralized platform, there is a chance to make money. On a decentralized platform, you're going to have to seek out advertising revenue. And the only one that really does it is Google. So a decentralized network that allows me to place a, a, an AdSense ad um, is going to make me money eventually. Yeah, and this article starts to talk about Mastodon. I mean, I don't think we've seen huge success from Mastodon as people were trying to jump away from Twitter. So it kind of begs the question, why would a Facebook 2.0 or whatever really be any different than that, other than if it's directly connected to Facebook, because then you have an, a large user base. And a whole lot of money driving the messaging that Probably. it's under the you know development of Facebook. And, and just like Facebook, the only reason Facebook really survives is because so much money went into driving, building the engine, and now it has a lot of kinetic energy. So it's the AOL of this era, you know, and I was around for the original AOL and, uh, and others. Um, so, you know, let's get in the Wayback Machine and watch 2000 collapse again, maybe what, 2030? That's when it'll collapse again and things will get reinvented. There's, there were so many solutions that were social in nature that, uh, like, uh, ICQ messenger was this great solution. I even beta tested it. I thought it was great. I might still have a shirt somewhere in a box somewhere. Now it's owned by a Russian firm. Um, and I don't think anybody is even touching ICQ. But there's always been somebody. The only difference is when there's a massive amount of money thrown at it, then suddenly people make money. They uh, attract their audience to it and they make more money. It's a circle. So anyway, let's let's move on. If I if I soapbox like this, we'll be here till Tuesday. Um, this next article <clears throat> is in the uh, Daily News show. GM is teaming with Microsoft uh, to develop a chat GPT like virtual assistant for future cars report says 
pardon me. Um, GM is reportedly working on a virtual assistant based on the AI behind ChatGPT. SEMA4 re- reported this is a, a different site. Um, and um, the company plans to use its connections to Microsoft, which has helped improve self-driving technology. Let's just go over to businessinsider.com. Aaron McDade is the author. And this, this just brings up visions of Clippy. <laughs> oh, yes, Clippy. A chat GPT styled Clippy. Like, hey, I see you're driving into oncoming traffic. Should I send emergency services? No, I I'm trying you've to already get driven into oncoming traffic. I'm trying to get rid of you, uh, Clippy, for vehicles. So do you think it's odd that GM is trying to develop this rather than, say, a tech company, and then they could use that in their vehicles? Well, you would think think that. This is the direction we'll see more from car manufacturers where they're developing their own software, I guess. (laughs) Good God. Can you imagine everybody has their own unique chat GPT like artificial intelligence? Well, that's what this looks like. I mean, it doesn't look like they're trying to adapt something. True. But maybe I'm missing something. Well, they're working with Microsoft and it's Bing engine. So we know that Bing has gotten it wrong <laughs> in its AI development, including um, in its advertising. In- yeah, even in its marketing. So, hey, I see that you want to make a left-hand turn. I'm going to tell you to turn right. <laughs> oh, boy. You're the owner of this GM vehicle. Why are you punching the dashboard? You know, it's one thing when you're using a search engine and you're looking up some kind of frivolous information and it's wrong. I mean, that could still really be a problem depending on what you're looking up, but... When you're driving, that's really scary. The examples reported by Semaphore include an assistant that's able to pull up a how to change a flat tire video, <laughs> aka YouTube. Um, Google, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or capable of diagnosing the seriousness of a check engine light by indicating whether it needs to be addressed immediately or if it can wait. Hey, you know what? When a check engine light comes on, you know what you should do? Ignore it. (laughs) That's probably not the right answer. (laughs) Uh, This is why the AI isn't in charge of check engine lights here in Ometown. Scott Miller, GM's vice president of software defined vehicle and operating system, told Reuters that a chat GPT based assistant could be capable of reciting information typically found in an owner's manual or be programmed to use functions like a garage door code. So a garage door opener and the owner's manual, which you can get online and probably read to you anyway. Why would I want something as clunky as a chat GPT based AI? It's so much more overhead for processing. Now I understand the benefit of it, but go ahead. Well, I mean, the information doesn't sound bad, but considering everybody's probably driving around with their smartphone and can activate Siri or whatever they're using, 
couldn't they get the same information? Correct. Yeah. You just say your code phrase for whatever activates your smart device. Right. Don't say it now because <laughs> you're going to activate all the listeners. <laughs> Everybody everywhere. Talk about triggering people. <laughs> so my point, though, is that you don't need an AI to do this. If you can, you're literally telling people the chat GPT based assistant could be capable of reciting information. You're programming the assistant to do X, Y, and Z thing. Why not make it that specific so that it doesn't fail or run off the road kind of, so to speak, you know, it doesn't do something anomalous because it heard something else and decided to give you false information. I don't know. Here's a crazy idea with all the indicators since a lot of the cars are getting smarter technology or software or whatever, why not when it displays a sensor, say whatever you need to do? <laughs> hey, there you go. You know, instead of just the random symbol that you have no idea what it means, say something like tire flat. Like it wouldn't have to be a long thing. It could just be like dealership immediately or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the check engine light comes on and you're supposed to just pull over and contact wow. a repair service center and say, hey, and, and nine times out of 10, the dealership or the repair center is going to go, well, is it acting funny? Does it, is it lacking power? Is it making any noises? Is there anything else going on? Well, no. Okay, well, just drive it over to us. That's pretty much what they say. Anyway, you're not going to need a an AI from ChatGPT, GM, Microsoft, Bing to sit there and tell you that your flat, your tire is flat and how to fix it. You can do a Google search there. Let's move on to the next article. Uh, this next article is uh, about somebody who's made $500,000 selling wraps on Fiverr. And when I first heard this i i was like is that a misspelling uh, like they're making paper for wrapping stuff but no this 38 year old has made nearly five hundred thousand dollars selling wraps on fiverr quote i never want to stop writing so mike burton has been wrapping full-time on fiverr since 2017 he's made uh, love songs raps for businesses and original music for youtube channels Maybe I can get him to write an, a, a rap for Ometown. You should. Uh, Zachary Green over at uh, CNBC.com wrote this article. There's a video that if you follow the uh, link, uh, it'll take you over to this. Um, well, it'll take you over to CNBC. And then you can click on the video. It says making $82,000 a year as a rapper on Fiverr. Um, I think it's pretty neat. 82,000 for making music seems, I don't know, a little lower than I thought that it would be nowadays, you know, with intellectual property. I, I was thinking it was high if you're not a well-known artist, because if you were, for example, um, performing in local venues or whatever, you'd be making much less than that. I would think if you weren't well-known. Right. 
but maybe that's, maybe that's the thing, you know, maybe they've got a great work-life balance and, and they're not hustling as much as, you know, a, a more well-known rapper might be. Uh, Burton's only 38, grew up in Houston, Texas, and got a degree in communications from University of Houston 2013. Throughout and after college, they worked in a series of jobs at fast food joints and call centers, always making time for writing on the side. Well, good for them. These days, they, he brings in uh, about $9,000 per month from Fiverr. By the way, I suspect that this is gross, not net, so cut that in half for... Um, taxes, not to mention health care um, at 38. And he's entering that zone where health starts to decline and you start trading shots for shots. You know what I'm saying? From drinking yeah. shots to getting shots in your arm. Anyway, Burton loves helping people express themselves through rap. Quote, I'm acting as a conduit for your ideas, he says, of his approach. And he can write a verse in as little as 30 minutes, which is actually, uh, you know, I, I figure that seems like a r serious amount of time committed to a particular verse. Um, but anything with violence, anything with cursing, profanity, he's not interested in. So everybody has their limits. So if you're looking to... Um, get some type of rap that um, they don't agree with. They they will tell you straight up they're not interested. But not bad, right? Eighty two thousand a year, enjoying For something what they that do? you love doing, and you're not working in a cubicle in a soul sucking job. I'd say that's great. That's yep. That's exactly what I said just now. <laughs> so we're on the Plus, same page. This is a job that the person can do even if they want to, when they get older, which not all jobs can really be continued um, as you age. Yeah, like a streamer on Twitch. I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about something like manual labor. Who said that? Um, now let me make a correction about this article, who it was written by. There's another person, another author, Gilly, I guess, G-I-L-I, Malinsky is another author. Um, they had it separated by I, I i i'm not sure why i kind of fumbled over this but anyway zachary green and gilly malinsky uh, is the are the authors for this article and again it's over at cnbc hey let's hustle on to the next article um this next article is again silicon valley bank silicon valley bank chief pressed congress to weaken risk regulations which is what i was talking about Eight years before the second largest bank failure in American history occurred this week, the uh, bank's president personally pressed Congress to reduce scrutiny of his financial institution, citing the low risk profile of our activities and business model, according to federal records reviewed by Lever. Let's go over to The Guardian, which um, houses this article. It's written by Rebecca Burns, David Sira. What, Sirota, uh, Julia Rock, and Andrew Perez of The Lever. Um, CEO Greg Becker personally led the bank's half-million-dollar push to reduce scrutiny of his institution, and lawmakers obliged. 
we have these protections to protect the people who aren't capable of affording themselves of protections to risk by other people. This is why we have rules, regulations, policy, procedure, law. I mean, it's ridiculous. And again, we haven't even gotten to some of the knock-on effects of what's going to happen when this totally collapses. Well, and I'm sorry, but this also builds on another problem because it looks like the regulations that were um, wound down or whatever were ones flowing from the 2008 bank collapse. Correct. I mean, clearly the country thought it needed some better regulations, so they put it in place and then they go and say, well, we don't really need this much, right? What could go wrong, right? <laughs> Correct. More than 90% of its deposits were not insured. Oh, wow. That's going to be a problem for everybody. It didn't have a chief risk officer leading up to the collapse. I assume that's a standard position in banking. I mean, it sounds like it from the title. Much like a Norfolk Southern train, it was off its tracks by the time somebody detected that it was about to crash and some people must have known because several uh, startup communities knew that something hinky was going on. So they pulled their money out of SVB, which just exacerbated it, but it was a privately run run. So not everybody was charging into SVB and pulling their money out. Only the ones that knew something was going on because they had enough interactions with the back end of SVB that when they saw a delay or a hiccup or an issue and got word of it, they pulled their money out. And I was looking back at um, crypto prices, by the way, and I saw crypto collapse um, earlier this week, right before SVB's announcement that they were basically shitting the bed. So touting SVB's deep understanding of the markets, it serves our strong risk management practices. Becker argued that his bank would soon reach 50 billion in assets. It actually collapsed somewhere around 209 billion is my understanding. But see, then it would have been under the threshold because he lobbied for 250 billion. And I'm also assuming that they had a chief risk officer when they made those assertions. Uh, you can almost guarantee because they'd be able to point at them. You know, like, uh, well, right. God. Like, Hey, my chief risk officer sitting here beside me. Testifying. I'm not risky. Yeah, exactly. I'm not risky. See, I have a chief risk officer friend here. They omitted from their proposal as soon as they did the briefing that the chief risk officer was out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they could have been gone a week ago. I don't know. It says, uh, without such changes, FEB likely will need to divert significant resources from providing financial or financing uh, to job creating companies in the innovation economy to complying with enhanced prudential uh, standards and other requirements. And uh, said Becker, who reportedly sold 3.6 million of his own sh uh, stock two weeks ago in the lead up to the bank's collapse, which seems like a really small amount. Um, but at any rate, what ultimately right, the CEO. Yeah. Yeah, that does seem low. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, 3.6 million is kind of pittance. But maybe he was already so overextended that anything beyond that, we don't know. We just don't know. Or he was concerned about the stability of his investments. We don't know that. I'm. Yeah, we don't know anything about this. Um, anyway, the bill was supported in the Senate by 50 Republicans, 17 Democrats, including the Democratic Virginia uh, Democratic Virginia Senator Mark Warner, for whom Becker held a fundraiser at his Menlo Park, California home in 2016, uh, according to an invitation obtained by Sunlight Foundation and Open Secrets. See, uh, this is why I say abuse happens in the dark. We need more transparency as citizens when the entire economy is being negatively impacted by a single institution's shitting of the bed. Um, And I keep saying that phrase, and I know that uh, I'm sure people aren't really, you know, liking that phrase, but that's, you know, we're making our bed and then we have to sleep in it. But it's these actions that are making our rest, well, uneasy. In fits and starts and waking up at three o'clock in the morning to find out that SVB has collapsed and then having to run out uh, in the dark of night to smack the bad bat out of somebody's mouth in front of an SVB office building in New York. And that bad bat is the over leveraged risk that should have been flagged by a chief risk officer in your institution. Now, everybody that voted to wash themselves of this uh, rule and regulation for the banking sector should really just bow out of politics because anything that harms the public, and I'm not talking about job makers, I'm talking about the average Joes. They're the ones that can't weather a storm like this. And again, we're about to find out about one. So you want to move on to the next? Sure. So here's another uh, situation where transparency leads to enlightenment, and that enlightenment leads to them either making a ton more money or at least finding out what their value is to an institution. Um, There was at one place where um, I was consulting um i had i overheard somebody who had been with the company for years saying well what does marwat do here um and so i walked into their office and and said you're about to find out um that company ultimately collapsed and this transparency that wasn't in place because I was sitting there saying things to a multitude of people about the business practices in this business, um, certain people in the business weren't being given the full story on what was going on in the business. Um, And I won't go into the situation there, but what ultimately ended up was the business folded, but they had been doing things that Um, I thought were not right. And so I made it known. 
But everybody became aware of what was going on and they could make an educated decision about their career. And so some people would leave, other people would stay and weather the rocky uh, waves or the weather the rocky shoals and hope that the ship doesn't sink. Well, eventually it did, but not until long after I was gone um, and long being five years. Anyway, um, when you're working for some company and they're telling you that you can't talk about wages with other coworkers and suddenly your job appears, this is what it looks like. A New York City worker saw her company was hiring for her job title, but paying up to $90,000 more. So she applied for it. So a New York City tech worker is going viral for learning that she was being underpaid uh, by up to $90,000 thanks to a new salary transparency law in the city. Now, depending on where you are, as far as I know, it's a federal law that you cannot stop somebody from talking about their salary with coworkers. Um, and uh, this article is over at CNBC.com. Uh, Jennifer Liu is the uh, author of this. And so what ended up happening was that's federal or state. We saw something in hometown about that recently. My understanding is that it's federal, that, that it's, um, illegal to stop somebody from talking about, but let, let me do some due diligence. I think, you know, for some reason, I think that it is a federal thing. Um, not, and not just applying to federal workers, but everybody, it, you can't stop somebody from talking about their salary. Um, now it says here, um, Kimberly Wynn, 25 is a user experience writer on a contract basis for Citigroup and says that she learned about the discrepancy when the company posted a job opening when the same title as her current role on LinkedIn, um, because the company is hiring in New York city, which requires salary ranges on job listings. She saw that the intended pay for the new hire would be 32,000 to $90,000 more than her. <laughs> so it's would be 32,000 to $90,000 more than her current salary. So she so applied for the job. New York City actually has the law. New York State doesn't even. And there's only a small number of states that have them and some cities that have this law or similar laws. Um, okay, so. Sorry, one second. Yeah, under the National Labor Relations Act, employees have the right to communicate with other employees at their workplace about their wages. So it's an NLRB regulation. Well, then the information I'm looking at is outdated. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and this is at nlrb.gov. Uh, wages are a vital term and condition of employment and discussions of wages are often preliminary to organizing or other actions for mutual aid or protection. That's the statement from NLRB. Um, so basically they say, well, I should be getting paid 32000 to $90,000 more than what I'm actually getting paid now. Now this can actually stem from a reclassification of one's job that you are not currently qualified for. And once you are replaced, you can be dismissed. So if you 
get this job and they reclassify the job as requiring this, that, or the other, then you no longer qualify and they're seeking a new, a wholly new position, really. Same title, but the qualifications are outside what they may deem as necessary um, for your, quote unquote, your position. And this is also from city, not a government agency either. Anyway, also she's a contractor now. She's not an employee of the company. So those aren't identical either. Right. So the LinkedIn posting from city lists the full-time UX opening requiring five to eight years of experience is offering a salary of 117 to 176,000 per year. I'm rounding up and down actually. Um, and by Wednesday, the posting said the company is no longer accepting applications. So not only did she post about it, she created a dramatic increase in competition for said position. So they may have done themselves in. Um, so Wynn closed out her Twitter thread by saying that she's officially on the job market for a, a new UX user experience writing job either remote or in New York City and expects to earn upwards of $125,000 given her uh, skill set and the market and that she's also a poet and has written several books which that <laughs> I, I I don't I, know what to say is that a non sequitur <laughs> yeah I mean I guess or is she just trying to say she has writing skills I don't know I guess but again like art Poetry and books are in the eye of the beholder, so maybe they're not worth the. Anyway, and then saying, well, I'm worth $125,000. Well, that's great until you're really, really hungry, and then you're not necessarily worth $125,000 anymore, even in well, your own Well, Also, when she applies for this job and the range goes higher, they're not going to offer beyond that. But you said um, 125,000. What's interesting is as um, a city spokesperson, city, uh, C-I-T-I spokesperson adds the company has listed pay ranges uh, on all U.S. jobs since mid-October. The company caught heat in November when the New York City law went into effect for a listing. And I remember this, a listing for some jobs with a salary range of zero to two million because it only required... That's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that's like kind of looking like you're complying, but there that doesn't in any way match the intent of the law and probably not the text of the law either. On Reddit, this would be referred to as malicious compliance. Not too malicious, but that's malicious compliance. Let's move on to the next article, if you don't mind. Um, this next article is a popular kid's store named Camp is begging customers for cash because its money is tied up in SVB. It's one of thousands of startups that now face uncertainty. Experiential toy store camp is caught up in the ripple effects of Silicon Valley Bank's collapse. CEO Ben Kaufman said all of the company's cash was in the bank. So it's having a 40% off sale with the promo code bank run regulators officially shut down Silicon Valley Bank on Friday. It's the largest bank collapse since the 2008 crisis. And 
just to draw home the point, between that collapse and this collapse, the regulations about risk management also collapsed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's been a lot of collapsing. Yeah, I'm about to collapse. So this is in a businessinsider.com article. Samantha Deluya, I guess, is their name. I'm Hopefully I'm pronouncing it right, Deluya. Um, <laughs> they're, wow, they're being very blatant about it. Look wow. at the run, don't walk to save camp. Yeah. Camp's website is advertising a 40% off sale after Silicon Valley Bank's collapse. And it has an ad on their page. Uh, okay, this is a this is the thumbnail. This is the, the the article's image, and it says when your banks when your bank collapses, run don't walk forty percent off to save camp. Promo code bank run, and it has little it, it has children. Um, yeah, I don't know in the artwork, and it says how could this happen? This sucks. I never liked the Bay Area, um, and and little hearts, little. Little, what looks like little crystal red crystal hearts. Aw, it's so sweet. I don't know what it says. It says, you know, your kid wants you to buy something uh, before you leave here. Might as well do us both a favor uh, and make it stuff on sale. And it continues to say other things, but you can go over to the website. You can follow the link through hometown and, and go over to the Business Insider article. Um, this is pretty rough. This is what I was talking about earlier in today's episode where I said there's knock-on effects from Silicon Valley Bank's implosion um, because they represented, they managed thousands of startups, um, the funds they're in, because they were being touted as being trustworthy to manage those funds. Um, and unfortunately greed got the better of and risk management was an afterthought and like every business seems to have ethics is the smallest chapter of the employee manual silicon valley bank officially shut down on friday i suppose camp could probably do a indiegogo or something similar which is a shame um, all um, because their website is camp.com, by the way, if you want to go over there. And I'm sure there's other companies like them. Uh, I'm sure there's quite a few. Um, the real victims of the, and this is a statement from Y Combinator CEO Gary Tan, who wrote on Twitter the real victims of the SVB fallout are the depositors, startups, 10 to 100 employees who cannot make payroll and will have to shut down or furlough next week. I agree. This is what I have been saying uh, since finding out about SVB imploding. It isn't going to be the executive suite or the board of directors of the bank. It's They are already millionaires. But all of these people are startups struggling to obtain the American dream. But American dream apparently means that you have to be a sociopath and step on the necks of people to get ahead and greed is good. And we're going to learn this lesson eventually. Either the American economy is going to collapse because people are buying into the idea that the stock market is the holy grail of profitability, or we're going to figure out that a moderate increase, either annually or quarterly, 
moderate, by the way, is not 10 to 12% every quarter or even every year, because that's over and above your cost of goods sold, folks. The, the, the profit is one thing, but greed is not good. Greed is going to be the downfall. And there are resets from time to time, but it's the middle class that suffers in a reset, not the people who have been greedy bastards their entire career, making money hand over fist, when other people aren't part of the game. And uh, it really bothers me when I hear somebody say that they'll win the game. You won't. You will eventually get caught up in somebody else's play. Well, and you're not going to have the same level of information. Right. So Particularly about a bank. Rarely be good or up or whatever, but maybe not in the long run. Yeah. And without compassion, you are you're not part of society. You're just a leech. You're taking, taking, taking and giving nothing back to the society that affords you the ability to take. So don't be a sociopath. That, I think that's a learned trait. That isn't a bio, a, a pure biological trait. I think that's a learned trait. And I see it more prominent with as you become more affluent um, because you're untouchable. Let's move on to the next article. Um, this is one of the weird ones. We're moving towards the end of the show, and that's usually where the weird ones pop up. Um, it's usually weird and or funny. Um, Canadian police investigating alleged Chinese quote-unquote police stations in Quebec. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police are, have identified two alleged Chinese police stations in Quebec and are investigating them. They've identified them. Alleged? If you've identified them. <laughs> right. Is there a police station? Does it say police station on it? I mean, is it from Quebec? No? Okay. <laughs> so the author's name here, it's over at abcnews.go.com. Alim, I think their name is pronounced Aga. But it might be AFA. I'm not sure how uh, A-G-H-A is pronounced. Um, I've never heard the, the name before, so once I hear it, then I'll know. Anyway, um, the two alleged police, uh, the two alleged stations are in Montreal and Brossard, um, according to officials. And it says the RCMP recognizes that Canadians of Chinese origin have been victims of the possible activities conducted by these centers. Poiret. Oh my God. It's inspector Poiret. That's like legit. Well then what's that from there? Agatha Christie? Yeah. Charles Poiret. Wow. That is awesome. Anyway, these activities and any other form of intimidation, harassment, and harmful targeting of, dia of diaspora communities or individuals in Canada will not be tolerated. Well, you'd be surprised to know that there are little communities that have the equivalent of cultural police, not just in Canada. Anyway, FBI Director Christopher Wray expressed concern about these unauthorized police stations during a congressional hearing in November of 2022. Similar police stations have been established, and that's what I just said. 
Look at this. It's almost as if I already have some experience with this stuff. Um, similar police stations have been established in the U.S., according to Safeguard Defenders, a European-based human rights organization. The group published their investigation showing where the alleged Chinese police stations are in the U.S. in September of 2022. So not only are they in Canada, but they're in the United States as well. And there are other cultural police, not just of Chinese uh, nationals. Um, and uh, so this says, uh, I quote, I'm very concerned about this. We are aware of the existence of these stations. Ray told a U.S. Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee uh, hearing in November. Uh, but to me, it's outrageous to think that the Chinese police would attempt to set up shop, you know, in New York, let's say, without proper coordination. How about just no? <laughs> um, it violates sovereignty and circumvents uh, standard judicial and law enforcement cooperation processes. Um, I mean, this is just astounding. Can you imagine if the U.S. tried to set up a police station in, I don't know, China? Yeah, it wouldn't happen. Well, exactly. But it wouldn't have to be these particular countries that are in the article. I mean, I think any country trying to set up a police station in another country, it would not be uh, received very well. Yeah. So um, there's not much more over there at that article, but you can definitely read it. There's a video there, I believe. Um, but follow the link. You'll go over to um, the source of that article. Um, the next article is a New Hampshire lawmaker arrested for obstructing snowplow thought this one was just too funny to um, pass up a republican lawmaker in new hampshire was arrested friday for allegedly screaming and swearing at a snowplow truck operator who coordinated uh, sorry who recorded the con confrontation and later reported him to police um i guess it's a different poirot Got it. It is, but it's pretty close. Yeah. Anyway, um, so let's go over to the source. This is an ABC News. Let me pause this because it has nothing. The video has nothing to do with the actual article. Um, this is an article over at abcnews.go.com. Holly Reamer from Associated Press put the article together. Um, apparently, what ended up happening was uh, the snowplow had been out there doing his thing. And uh, Rep. Jeffrey Greeson, 51, of Wentworth, was charged with disorderly conduct, criminal threatening, and simple assault. According to police, he was released on personal recognizance uh, and ordered to, back to Plymouth District Court on May 18th. So, I can give you the rundown of how this actually occurred. Um, apparently, the dude runs out at 8 o'clock in the morning and jumps in front of the snowplow and then starts gesticulating and yelling at the driver um, saying, hey, that's not him. Um, hey, dude, uh, my driveway is here. You keep blowing all of your snow across my freshly shoveled driveway. Move it over there. And the driver is basically says, I moved the snow out of the street. I don't move it wherever you tell me to. Now, sometimes a snowplow driver can facilitate that in, in some ways, 
but most of the time they're moving a shit ton of snow from here to over there. They have to get it off the road for emergency vehicles and for other purposes. Um, and so they don't care about your driveway. Go back out and shovel your driveway. Well, Paul Mason, the like a certain resident and then all the other residents are complaining. Yeah. Sorry. And, and so Paul Mason, the, the road agent in Wentworth said that he had already been plowing for about six hours on Saturday when he encountered Greason standing in the middle of the road around 8 a.m. Um, and apparently said all kinds of stuff and gesticulated and gave a rude hand gesture and other expletives. And um, that was the end of it. Well, he posted it and then informed authorities. And that dude, that that rep was, um, this guy was um, charged with disorderly conduct and criminal threatening and simple assault. So he's um, a rep. Okay, yeah, he's a lawmaker for New Hampshire, I guess. Yeah. So, um, oh, and wait, wait, wait. Let me properly, uh, maybe I shouldn't. Let, let's just say that um, you would think that, you would think that um, based on this person's, this rep's history, that maybe he'd be a little bit more even keeled, um, but apparently not. And while yes, anybody can be hot-headed from time to time, you would think that, this particular title might cause you to be a little bit more even keeled. You'd think so. <laughs> I saw that as well. Uh, but apparently not. Okay, so the very last article for tonight um, is uh, Hidden Valley Ranch Ice Cream is Real and Coming to Select Walmarts um, Nationwide. Let me throw this last article into the chat. <clears throat> so proof positive that ranch dressing goes with everything ice cream is coming it's in the hatch ideas channel but it was sourced from entrepreneur.com we get the little snippet of uh, text from the article and um, it's actually provided by the website uh, steve huff is the author and yeah lo and behold limited edition van leeuwen hidden valley ranch french ice cream i can't decide what to think about that well friday was march 10th and that was national ranch day celebrating the tangy savory delights of ranch dressing this is from the article um i, I don't know i've never so like hidden valley ranch style ice cream is the leading cause of I don't know. I won't yuck anybody's yum, but for crying out loud, I mean, it's ranch ice cream. I'm not even going to bother trying it. I do have something else coming that I'm going to try here uh, early next week that I didn't know existed. And maybe, maybe if there's an article in hometown, I'll, I'll bring it up. Um, but whoo, when you don't think that something exists and you discover it and you kind of go out of your way to get it. Um, and uh, I won't be getting Hidden Valley Ranch ice cream. But I have heard of cheese ice cream, by the way. Um, what's the guy? He's on YouTube. He has that food show on uh, Tuesday. Food Theory? No, 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 not Food Theory. The guy that does the show on uh, oh, Tasting History. 
Max Miller. Max Miller's tasting history. Yeah, he made, I think, cheese-flavored ice cream. That apparently wasn't all that bad. But Hidden Valley Ranch, ranch ice cream, I think, might be a little too over the top for me. It just I feel looks... like if it was subtle, it might actually be really good. But if it's really intense, I think it would not be great. No, not even subtle. I don't care. I feel my arteries hardening already. Just looking at that ice cream makes it, ugh, I don't know. I can't, I can't handle it. Anyway, the combination of ranch flavoring and ice cream at a fir- is a first for many. So the good news is that along the hidden, along with Hidden Valley ice cream going out to Walmarts across the country, there will also be other Van Leeuwen made ice creams with perhaps more conventional flavor profiles. And, and they have a list over here at the entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, entrepreneur.com website, like sweet maple cornbread, blood orange chocolate chip, carrot cake, strawberry shortcake, honey graham cracker, which might be the only one in here. Oh, wait, no. Strawberry shortcake, I can dig. Honey graham cracker, I could dig. Lemon cello cake is too much. I don't like anything lemon except lemon, like lemon drops. That's about it. All the rest of these uh, make me think that maybe I'm pregnant. I'm not sure. Uh, but strawberry shortcake, I'm, I can buy into for sure. They got pictures. There's a bunch of tweets that they talk about. And uh, Steve Huff put this article together over at entrepreneur.com. Did you want to add anything to it? I think it'll be interesting to see the reaction to this flavor. (laughs) I'm not, again, I'm not sure what to think about it. Well, I'd have to go into a Walmart. There isn't a Walmart in Omtown, so I'll have to go. I'll have to leave Omtown to go to a Walmart. See, here in Omtown, we only allow uh, small mom-and-pop shops that don't have debilitating contracts for those um, who see stars in their eyes or are dollar signs in their eyes and uh, can't truly meet the demand of the contracts. I, I, I'm not a big fan of Walmart. but um, So, yeah, sponsorship. You know the list of all of the possible sponsorships? You can check walmart off of that one there's probably fewer that can be sponsors than can't at this point (laughs) the lit the list has inverted wonderful yes (laughs) yeah that's similar to the question what's wrong with you you might as well just flip the (laughs) question around what's not wrong with you it's a shorter list okay folks just like last time we go over to the front page, click it, and get 50 new articles. Um, maybe this one won't have something that triggers us into another 15-minute conversation at the end of the show. Well, before uh, you refreshed, I saw another SVB article, but no, I don't. I mean, it's... Oh, yeah, there it goes. <laughs> that one? Yeah. It's okay. We don't need to talk about that. I just wanted to point it out. Oh. Bailout talk Royals Washington after Silicon Valley bank collapse. Oh, there's some more down in the market watch articles. I mean, Mm. it's. (laughs) It is all over. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very big news. Yeah. Fascinating. And 
at the very end of the thing, the last thing that I'll probably end up saying is that there's a bill banning marriages under age 16 that passes in West Virginia. Why was there not something that banned it prior to? (laughs) Prior to 2023? Mm. How about like 1800 or something? Hmm. That's it, folks. I'm Mayor Watt. That's hometown.com. And up there is the AI visualizer. You want to say bye to all of the citizens here in hometown? Bye-bye, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.